to tell you just a little bit about how I stepped over into this realm. I know God gives all of us different gifts. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church nine months before I was born. My mother carried me to church. I was in church all of my life. Uh, every time the door was open, I went to church. I loved the Lord with all my heart. I was raised up in one of the best Christian homes that you could imagine. That's the thing I appreciate what Brother Bill Gothard is doing. He's training the families how to walk with God. And this is a beautiful thing because to have a great father and a great mother is the best thing that anybody can do. If there's anything I want to emphasize to you today, it's that every man should love his wife with all his heart and be an example of God to his wife and his children. Every woman should be an example of God to their children. So their children will grow up believing that mother and daddy believes what they say and does what they say so that their children will grow up in a stable home so they will get to the point where they will be able to hear God's voice and they will become wonderful young men and women of the Lord and walk holy before Him. And I had that kind of home. And I'm grateful for that home that I was raised up in. Very grateful. But being a Southern Baptist, and still am, and walking uh, in obedience to God's Word, this next month in June, 27 years ago, was the transformation that took place in my life. In June, 27 years ago, I had a two-year-old son and a a brand-new baby girl. And I was in there studying. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a deacon in a Baptist church in Louisville, Texas. I had never heard the authoritative voice of God in my life. I had never heard anybody say that they had heard that. We don't seem to talk about those things. But I've now realized that God is a God that speaks. And He speaks to many of us. Because I've, as I've talked to people, I've heard many, many people tell me that they've heard the authoritative voice of God. Even this morning... When I was over there, when this young lady was trying to make me look a little better for the cameras, if that's possible, there was only two young ladies in there. I asked them, I said, have either one of you young ladies ever heard the voice of God? And one of them immediately said, yes, sir, I've heard it twice. The other young lady was startled. She said, I've never heard it. I said, isn't that amazing? In a room with two people, one of you have heard the authoritative voice. I said, do you remember when it happened? She said, exactly. She remembered how old she was, everything. I said, honey, that's what happened to me 27 years ago. I said, I was a grown man. I was a teacher of the Word of God. I was a deacon in a church. I loved God with all my heart, but I had never heard anybody say that heard God's voice. But that's that night when I was sitting there studying, preparing to teach a Sunday school lesson, and it was in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. You never forget those times when God speaks to you. I was sitting there, and all of a sudden the king says, Son, pay attention. I have a message for you in the next few verses. I heard that so clear and so authoritatively that I turned to see who walked into the room. Nobody there. Then I thought about what had been said to me, so I knew it was God. So continue to read. And what he was telling me is what every man and woman needs to hear. He's giving you an example in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He's telling you exactly what you need to do if you want your children to walk with God. I got a complete new revelation right there. Although I was a deacon and a Sunday school teacher, I didn't pray with my wife at home. I mean, we did that in church. I didn't read the Word of God and teach my children the Word of God at home. We did that in church. But that night, I began to read the Word of God to my children and to my wife and pray over my wife and children every night. 
And I did that the rest of my life. I'm still doing that. I, that forever changed my life. But I had heard this voice, but I was afraid to tell anybody about it because I'd never heard anybody else say they'd heard it. So the next two years later, I was down in Houston on Monday morning at 9 o'clock. I was an engineer working for a large corporation. I built buildings, designed equipment, and all those kinds of things. And I'm out there one morning, and as I get off of an airplane, I'm headed to a job site. And I think, well, I'll go by the corporate office since I was a regional engineer, and I'll do my paperwork while I'm here in Houston at the corporate office. But I forgot it. Went right on out to the job site. I'm out there underneath about 20,000 pounds of steel. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice. He said, son. I said, yes, Lord. He said, you forgot to do your paperwork this morning. I said, Lord, I did. But I said, Lord, I just like 15 minutes. I'll run right back over there and do it. He said, no, son. I want you to go do it right now. I said, okay. So I laid down everything I had. I crawled out from under there, stood up and took the second step. And the supporting structure holding 20,000 pounds of steel exploded. And 20,000 pounds of steel was laid flat on the ground where I was. In my trembling and fear, I looked up and I said, Lord, that verse in 1 Corinthians six nineteen has just taken on an entirely new revelation to me. I am not my own. I'm bought with a price. I belong to you and I really am not mine. I said, Lord, I don't know why you saved my life, but I'm so appreciative and so grateful that you did. I said, Father, from this moment on, I will do anything you tell me to do. I will go anywhere you tell me to go. I don't care what it is, because if you hadn't spoken to me right there, I would have been killed. Little did I know what the Lord had planned for me. He began to speak to me on a regular basis. About every year, every two years, I began to hear his voice. He began to train me in faith what faith was. I had not a clue what faith was. I just didn't know. If you'd asked me, I'd have said, sure, I know what faith is. Didn't know first thing about faith. But he began to explain to me what faith was. He began to teach me what healing was. I stepped into a realm in our Southern Baptist churches that was a little bit unique to what anything I'd ever heard. But God come to me one night and he said, son, I have trained you where I want you to be. I want you to lay down that Southern Baptist quarterly. And I want you to start teaching just my word in that Baptist church. I said, Lord, I'll do it. But I said, Lord, if I do what you tell me to do. I said, some of those folks are going to think I'm crazy. I said, because what you've shown me is so foreign to what I've ever learned in church. I'm going to ask you to confirm what I teach from your word with signs and miracles and wonders following, Lord, so they'll know that this is the truth. I began to teach at a Bible study class. I made the announcement to the pastor. I told him, I said, I'm going to start a unique class. The Lord inspired me. I didn't tell him God spoke to me in a clear, authoritative voice because I didn't think he would be willing to receive that. So anyway, I just told him, I said, God spoke to me. He gave me, he inspired me to start teaching just his word in a class. And so I'm going to start a unique class. So he said, okay. He made an announcement. He told the church what I was going to do. And 15, 10, 15, 20 people started coming to that class. I started teaching the word of God with what God had been revealing to me. And he began to start doing mighty things. One of the first awesome things the Lord did, a young couple, they had a young son by the name of Philip Anthony Wren. He was 11 years old. They came to my class and they were awestruck at what they'd heard me teach from God's Word. I remember her saying, Thurman, I've been in church 20 years and I've never heard God's Word spoken like this. 
Her husband said, I've never heard these things either, but said, we need a miracle. I said, what do you need? You know, I've come to realize there's not many people in the church today that don't need a miracle or a healing. That's just, that's just the way it is. So anyway, I said, what do you need? She said, our son, Philip here, he's had warts all over his body since he was three years old. He had them in his eyes, in his nose, in his mouth, all over his neck, his chin, all over the palms of both hands, on the backs of his hands. They'd burned two big rows of warts off the back of his right hand. Big old scars were there where they burned them off, and all the warts came right back in the scars. She said, we've done everything. We've prayed. We've taken him to the doctor. We've done everything. Nothing works. I said, well, first of all, you didn't do anything in faith. So I spent two and a half hours, maybe three, with that couple, explaining to them what God had revealed to me was faith. Making sure that their sins are confessed. I learned that when you live in any kind of sin, even the sin of unbelief, God will not hear your prayer. He says he will not. He says, you must walk holy before me. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So we've got a real goal or accomplishment there to meet is to walk holy before our king. That's what he requires. And it is definitely an achievable goal. So, after teaching that couple the Word of God for two and a half hours or so that Sunday afternoon, I knelt in the floor with them. I said, now then, I've realized that God is a faith God, and I used to not understand what that means. But I said, since He is a faith God, I have to come to Him with His Word. Because this book is faith. This Word is what He calls the trust in His Word, or faith. And I said, without the Word of God, it's impossible to please the King. So I said, I'm going to turn in the Word of God now, after I built Philip's and his mother's and dad's faith for two and a half hours. I turned to the little boy, 11 years old, with his body being covered with warts now and these scars since he was three years old. I said, son, do you believe that Jesus that I read about in this book can take those warts and scars off your body? That little boy said, Mr. Scrivener, after what I've heard you talk to us about this afternoon out of God's Word, I believe he can do anything. Now that's what God's looking for right there. Believing that he can do anything. I said, son, he can. And he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can even think or imagine, according to Ephesians 3.20. But I said, we've cut the king very short. I said, now then, I'm going to take a promise in God's word. I said, in Matthew 18.19, Jesus clearly said in Matthew 18.19, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. Isn't that an awesome statement from the king? Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. A blank check. I had never used that blank check, but that day I knelt in the floor with that family around the little table there in their living room. And on my knees, with them on their knees, I raised my hands and asked the Father in the name of Jesus on behalf of that promise to take all of Philip Anthony Rins' warts and scars off. And I thank the Lord for doing it. I stood up and his mother said, when are they going to come off? I said, that's the only thing God don't tell me is when. I said, God does two things that I've learned in the healing realm. One of them is miracles. That means they could all fall off right now. But I said, that may not happen. But the other one is healing. And he promises to heal. I said, it takes time for healing. I said, he will take them off. I said, I guarantee you on the word of the living God... That in a few days to a few weeks at best, Philip will not have a wart or a scar on his body because Jesus made us the promise in his word. And that's the first time I stepped out with that bold, authoritative, I guarantee God's word. But I did it that day.
I walked across the street to the Baptist church where I was attending. The next morning, when Philip's mother woke up, she ran in to check Philip. And all the warts on the ends of his fingers and up under his fingernails were already completely gone overnight. She was awestruck. I told her when I left her that afternoon, I said, Ma'am, I'm going to guarantee you something else. I said, when I leave here this afternoon, the enemy, which is the devil, he's going to send one of his fellows in, and he's going to put a thought in your mind. He's going to say, now, you don't really think that just because this old gray-headed guy came over here and knelt on the floor and spoke a few words into the atmosphere, that these warts and scars are going to come off of Philip's body. Remember, you took him to the doctor, and the doctor burned all those warts off the back of his right hand, and they came back in the scars. So what makes you think that those warts and scars are going to come off now because that man prayed? I said, don't you believe that. You believe God's Word. I said, when you hear that voice from the devil come in your mind, I said, you take this Word and you open it up and you say, Mr. Devil, let me show you what Jesus said. And I said, you read Matthew 18, 19 to the devil. But she didn't have to do that. But I have taught that to many people since. Many of them have had to. But that morning when, her, when his warts began to come off, three weeks later, and this is so unfortunate that you don't get to see a, a really hysterical mother in a Baptist church very often. Well, let me tell you, three weeks later, when Mama walked into church, she was charismatic. She was jumping and praising and screaming. She said, Thurman, look, look. She said, I've been in church all my life. I've never seen nothing like this. said, look. Philip does not have a wart on his body. Nowhere. Every one of them are gone. She said, look, the only thing left is those two big scars on the back of his right hand. I said, Mama, don't stop believing God. Continue to worship Him and praise Him. And I guarantee you next week when you come in, Philip won't have any scars. Next Sunday morning when she walked in, she said, Thurman, look, Philip Anthony Wren had no warts and no scars. He was completely delivered. I think our God deserves a hand for something like that. Praise the Lord. I guarantee you, He is an awesome, mighty God. But that step put me into a new realm of faith. I saw God do something I guaranteed He said He would do. And when I had learned, He said, Whenever you ask me for anything, you must ask me in faith, nothing wavering. He said, If you waver in James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7... He said, if you don't believe I can do what I said I can do in this book, he said, you're double-minded and you're unstable, and let not that person think they will receive anything from me. I've come to realize that's why I used to didn't get any prayers answered. Because if I prayed, I'd say, oh God, if it be your will. He said, I'm not a if it be my will God. He said, I'm a faith God. He said, you come to me and ask me for something in this book after what I've given you and the promises I've made you in here. You come to me and you ask me what you want according to this book. After you walked holy with your sins confessed, and then I will do it for you. No questions asked. You just do what I tell you to do. So I started praying like that for people. As I began to see the Lord do these mighty, wonderful things, five years ago I stepped out into a new realm. You don't see many Southern Baptist deacons start a healing school. But I started a healing school in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I might have 15, 20 people. There on a Saturday. I started one the second Saturday of every month. I had seen by this time so many hundreds of people healed. I had went to people's homes one-on-one. I'd go out and talk to people. I don't know how they heard about me. I guess word of mouth. That's all the thing I know. And, or God moved on their heart. because, it, And it was unfortunate. Most of them I didn't know. 
But somebody had called and said, Thurman, I'm so-and-so. We heard that you teach people how to be healed. Would you come to our home? I've got a son that's sick or a wife that's sick or whatever. And I said, sure. So I started going. And for many years, I went one-on-one. I taught one person at a time. And I saw God do awesome miracles in the realms of healing. One day I thought, Lord, I'm cutting all these people short. I need to get in there and start a healing school. People need to know what you've taught me. And so I didn't advertise. I just said, Lord, I'm going to start a healing school. I said, I'll ask you to bring whoever you want to. And so started out 10, 15 people. And then it got up to where it's 20, 30, 40, 50. And even up now, then some of my healing schools, I have 100 there. But that's a big healing school for me, 100 people on a Saturday. I now go, this last year, I started one on the second Saturday of the month and one on the fourth Saturday of the month. I have people come from all over the world to my healing school. That's amazing. I've had people come from London, from Connecticut, from California, from Florida, all over the United States. But I never have a very big crowd, 50 to 100. But God does awesome things in the realms of healing. This last December the 26th, I just come off of a two-week fast. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I am fed up with playing church. I want to see you do something mighty. I said, I want you to increase my healing school. I want you to teach the body of Christ. I want you to show them what you've showed me. I want you to do great and mighty things. I said, Lord, in the church, we have so many people that are sick and afflicted. And we should not be there with these promises that you've showed me. I said, I want to see you do great and mighty things. The very next morning, the Lord changed me from one radio station to six. And then he began to he give me, I was teaching in my church. By this time, I'd started my own ministry. I had a Sunday service. Every Sunday, I went from a Sunday service to two Bible teachings a week, Tuesday night, Thursday night, scheduled them from seven till nine. I tried to teach two hours on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night. And we usually start pretty close on seven and sometimes we get through at 9.30, 10.30, 11.30, 12.30. And when the last person goes home after the last question, the latest I've ever been there is 4 o'clock in the morning. That's what happens as people get healed and delivered. I've learned that people are hungry for God's Word. God's given me some great and awesome revelations, which I am so grateful for. And to see Him do all these wonderful things. And there's several people here today that I've already met that have come from one of my healing schools that have been healed. There is several of those. But anyway, as I started doing this, I'm going to tell you that the greatest test that I ever encountered happened to me two and a half years ago. This is my ultimate test of faith. God put me to the test in the most awesome way to bring me so that I could stand before you today and tell you and share with you his great and awesome power. But it was absolutely my greatest test of faith. On October the 13th, 2001, I had been married to one woman for 41 and a half years. One family, one son, one daughter. And we had a blessed life. My wife had never spent a minute in the hospital. She was 60 years old. I had only been in the hospital one time. We have had a blessed life. The Lord has really blessed us because we've been obedient to serving. We go to church, we tithe. We trained our children how to walk with God. We had no problems in our home, no problem with our children. They were wonderful children. My daughter got married when she was about 20. Ten months later, she had a little baby girl. 
the little girl, was three years old. My wife, my daughter was 24 years old. And my wife and daughter got up on Saturday morning, October the 13th, and started to Brownwood, Texas, to see some of our friends for a little birthday party, some of our relatives. I had no idea that morning at 6 o'clock when my wife and daughter left, that morning would be the last day I would ever see them alive. But at 8 o'clock that morning, our enemy, the devil, stopped my wife's heart driving 70 miles an hour and she veered into the left lane of an oncoming truck and hit an oncoming truck head-on at 70 miles an hour. It tore my wife's body all to pieces. It also tore my 24-year-old daughter's body all to pieces. And they both were DOA right there. My little three-year-old granddaughter was strapped in the center of the back. A beautiful little six-year-old girl, which we had raised in our home, which was like a granddaughter to me, she was also strapped in the back. I was teaching a healing school in a Baptist church in Hearst, Texas that Saturday. A police officer walked in the back door. I saw him back there and I walked back there. I said, sir, can I help you? We had just started. He said, are you Thurman Scrivener? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you have a wife named Betty? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you have a daughter named Amanda? I said, yes, sir. He said, sir, there's been an accident. I said, are they injured? He said, sir, they're both deceased. I said, how about the two babies? He said, they care-flighted them to Cook's Medical Center in Fort Worth, and both of them are in very critical condition. I said, thank you, sir. I remembered what the book of Job said when the enemy was allowed to attack his home. It said, and Job worshipped the Lord. So I didn't fall apart. I turned around and I walked up to the front, realizing I had just had the most severe attack of the enemy that I'd ever had in my life. I began to tell the congregation that was there that day what had happened. And I said, now I want to stop and worship the king. So we did. We worshiped him. And we praised him for his promises. And I said, Lord, I need you to speak to me. I need you to tell me what's going on. I guess you can understand that, can't you? Here I'd been walking with him, seeing him heal bodies, do great and mighty things. And now then they just tell me my wife and daughter is dead and my grandbaby and a little girl like her grandbaby is probably not going to live. We don't understand these kind of things when they happen. But he wouldn't speak to me. I didn't understand why. I don't do, but at that time I did not. After I worshipped and praised the king for a few minutes, probably 15 or 20 minutes, I told him, I said, we're going to close the healing school. I'm going to load up my stuff and I'm going to get my son and I'm going to go to Cook's Medical Center and I'm going to get those two babies healed. I went home, got my son. I told him that mama and sister... We're in heaven with the Lord. I said, now, son, we've got a battle on our hands. We're going to find out if we believe this book. I drove down to Cook's Medical Center and walked in and met a social worker. And she said, sir, I've got to tell you that Caitlin cannot live. I said, oh, yeah, honey, she's going to live. She said, sir, she cannot live. I said, what's wrong with her? She said, it's obvious that something cut her seatbelt and she was slammed into the seat in front of her. When the two vehicles ran head on, she said, sir, her skull is crushed in five places. Her face is tore all to pieces. We don't even know what all's wrong with her in her chest. She's bleeding everywhere. Said her brain stem is severed. Her eyes are disconnected from her brain. Her right knee is crushed and her left leg is broken in two places. Now you're going to find out if you're a man of faith. I walked into that hospital room with this magnificent 
Bible in my hand. I walked up there and looked at that little three-year-old girl. Blood was running out her eyes, her ears, her nose, her mouth, everything. I could not even tell it was my granddaughter. It was a blob of flesh. I opened this book to one promise. I stood there. I said, Father, you said in John 15, 7, if your words remain in me and I remain in you, I can ask you anything and you'll do it for me. You said I got to believe with no doubt in my heart. I said, Father, I ask you to raise up my grandbaby. I ask you to make her completely well. I ask you to heal that face and I don't want a scar on it. You said I can ask anything. If I believe you, you will do it. I ask you to raise her up and make her whole. I ask you to let her run and play. I ask you to reconnect her brain stem and her eyes and make her completely well. And I want to thank you for it. And then I turned to every doctor and I said, I guarantee on the word of the living God, you will see my God do a miracle and raise this little girl up and she will run and play again. Because he made me the promises and I am not taking nothing but what God said for an answer. I sat there beside that bed for the next 10 hours and worshiped and praised the king for his promises. In the process of that, I walked over into the next room where little Kelly Ringstaff was. She was a little daughter that my wife and my daughter had had kept for six years since she was born. Her mother was a traveling lady, and she couldn't keep her baby, so my wife and daughter kept her, so she became like a granddaughter to me. I walked over there, and I looked at little Kelly, six years old. Her head had busted open right above her eyebrows, laid back about a third of the way back. Her seatbelt had helped, but it had crushed both of her pelvics. They said, if she lives, she'll have brain damage. And it'll be a minimum of two and a half to three months before she will be able to stand with a walker. Again, I opened this magnificent book that we take to church with us. And I opened it to John 16, 23 and 24. I said, Father, Jesus made me a promise right there. He said, before now, before this day, you've asked me nothing. But from this day forth... You can ask the Father in my name anything, and he'll do it for you. So therefore, ask anything in my name, and I will do it for you so your joy will be full. I said, Lord, with promises like that in your word in John 16, 23 and 24, I said, I'm going to ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, to raise up Kelly Ringstaff. I'm going to ask you to do such a mighty miracle of healing on that little girl that everybody in this hospital will know that you showed up. I turned to all the doctors and nurses and everybody. I said, I guarantee you on the word of the living God, you're going to see my God do the greatest miracle in this little girl you've ever seen because he made me the promises in his word. And I believe those promises with no doubt in my heart. They looked at me like a crazy guy in denial. In one week, one week, Kelly Ringstaff was out of ICU. One more week, she's out of the hospital walking with a walker, and three days later, she's thrown the walker away, and she's back in school running and playing. Now, who could have possibly have done that? Nobody but our Jesus. Nobody but our Jesus could have done that. The enemy had deceived me far too long. Now I'm beginning to understand God's Word means exactly what it says. If he says, don't sin, that's what he meant. Don't sin. If he says, walk holy before me, That's what he meant. He said, if you'll walk holy before me, then come and ask me for anything and I'll do it for you. That's what he meant. 
So I had now stepped into this realm and I saw little Kelly raised up and out of the hospital and back in school in two and a half weeks. That made such a tremendous impact on her mother. I would used to be at home and as I would be coming in in the afternoon, I'd be so pumped up, I guess you'd say, the wonderful things that Jesus did. I got to see him do so many things in the workplace. I mean, I've had so many wonderful experiences with God and I've prayed for so many people in the workplace and I've seen him do awesome miracles of healing and restoration. Into the thousands now. It's just so wonderful to see the king do these mighty things. So I'd be, I'd come in and Dawn would be there with my wife picking up her daughter or something. And I'd, I'd be telling my wife, I'd say, honey, I got to tell you what Jesus did today. And when I would tell some of these stories, Dawn, she was a typical Christian. She'd just roll her eyes and say, oh, another one of those wild stories of Thurman's. No, those are not wild stories. These stories I tell you are all true. They're all documented. These are real things that Jesus does. He's the king of the universe. I had no understanding of that for years. But I'm now beginning to understand who I serve. Not who I serve, but who we serve. We serve the king of the universe. And we have come far short because we didn't believe these mighty promises. We said, Lord, if it be your will. He said, if it be my will, don't move my hand. He said, I am not a if it be thy will, God. I am a faith God. He said, you come to me with my promises and tell me what you want. And if you're walking in obedience to my word, I'll do it for you. But you must believe me with no doubt in your heart. So, little Kelly, she's out of the hospital. She's running and playing, back in school. Three months later, I go over to a birthday party. And she's there, of course. And I'm asking her how she's doing. She said, oh, Mr. Thurman. She said, I'm doing great. But she said, I hate these big old scars. I said, what scars? She pulled her bangs up where I could see. I said, wow, you do have two big scars on your forehead. She said, I hate those. That's where her head had been tore all open. I said, Jesus, don't want those scars on your forehead either, honey. But he cannot take them off until a man of faith prays the prayer of faith. And then and only then can he do it. He has limited himself on this earth to his word. And he said, if we don't ask, he cannot do it. We must ask in faith. And I said, John 14, 13 and 14, Jesus gave me a double whammy back to back. He said, ask the Father in my name anything you want and I'll do it for you. So therefore, ask anything you want and I will do it for you. So I said, John 14, 13 and 14, on behalf of those two verses, Father, I ask you to remove the scars on Kelly Ringstaff's head. I said, thank you, Lord, it's done. Thirty days later, those scars are completely gone on Kelly Ringstaff's forehead. We serve an awesome Jesus, folks. We serve an awesome Jesus. So we go back to the story of my granddaughter. She's laying there in ICU at Cook's Medical Center in Fort Worth. And the second Monday morning, we go in on Saturday, the second Monday morning, Dr. Marks, which is head of neurology at Cook's Medical Center, called a meeting with us and said, I do not know how this little girl has lived a week. But he said, this week, we're going to pull the tubes out of her and when we pull the tubes out of her, so we got the tubes in her that are causing her to breathe and everything, and said, when we pull the tubes out of her, she will die, and you do not want to resuscitate her. I said, sir, she's not going to die. He said, sir, I just done the second MRI on this little girl, and there's nothing attached to her brain. Nothing. I said, how about her eyes? He said, they're disconnected too. I said, is there anything wrong with her eyes? He said, no. There's nothing wrong with her eyes, but the little cords that go from the eyes to the brain are disconnected. So he said, there's nothing to tell her to see, nothing to tell her to cough, 
nothing to tell her to move or to breathe or nothing. So he said, when we pull the breathing machine, he said, she will die. I said, oh, no, she won't. I said, the Word of God says something different, Dr. Marks. I said, are you a Christian? He said, no, I'm a Jew. I said, well, good. I said, my Jesus was a Jew. And I said, you're going to get to see the best Jewish physician do the best work you have ever seen, I guarantee it. How many of you know we have the best physician in the universe and his name is Jesus? He's awesome. But we have to believe him. And that's where I had not been doing for the first part of my life. I didn't know the promises of God. And so we went out of that room that day on a Monday morning. And the next Thursday morning, Dr. Davis, she's a precious Christian lady. She walked into Caitlin's room that morning and she said, Mr. Scrivener, you are the only living human being I have ever met in my life that absolutely refuses to accept reality. I said, ma'am, you think my little granddaughter laying there is reality, don't you? She said, well, of course. I said, ma'am, you have trained yourself with your five physical senses. But I've trained myself with the faith realm, the Word of God. And I said, it goes a step beyond into the supernatural, and it brings God on the scene. I said, I'm going to guarantee you, ma'am, on the Word of the living God of John 15:7. When you and all these other doctors pull the tubes out of my grandbaby, she's not only going to breathe on her own, but she's going to breathe over that machine on her own, and she's going to cough. Now then, when you go to Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus clearly said, If you can believe with no doubt in your heart, Whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart, you will have whatsoever you say with your mouth. That's written in Mark eleven twenty three. So since I knew that promise, I said, I guarantee you on the word of the living God that when y'all pull all them tubes out of my grandbaby, she will not only live, she will breathe over the machine on her own and she will cough. And all those doctors, knowing trained by their five physical senses, knowing that they had just done a second MRI and there's nothing attached to her brain, they knew I was crazy. So they just hung their head and pulled all the tubes. And when they pulled all the tubes, she breathed two points over the machine on her own and started coughing. Our Jesus, He is an awesome, awesome God. He is awesome. So over the next few days, she got stronger, she breathed more, she breathed better. But they st- within two weeks' time, after they pulled the tubes, the next Sunday night had been two weeks and one day. Now, a little face that was totally destroyed, that was unrecognizable, that was torn and cut all to pieces, I had asked the Father, in the name of Jesus, to restore that beautiful little face according to those promises, quoting them to Him, and every day, Every day, I took a list of these promises, and I gave them to my son-in-law and to my son. And I said, guys, I want you all to read the Word of God over her every day. I mean, just take this sheet of paper with all these magnificent promises and read them over her every day. When you all are gone and I'm here, I'll read them and I'll praise and worship the King for His promises that are always yes and amen. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God made in His Word to you, if you're in Christ... All of his promises to us, the body of Christ, are yes and amen every time. The answer is never no. 
to, from God to us, to His children. If we're walking in obedience to His Word, with all our sins confessed, all of His promises are yes to His children every time. So, as they read these over that, by that second Sunday evening, I left that Sunday afternoon and she had one great big red deal left over one eye. Every cut and bruise on her face had been healed without a scar. And when I walked back in Monday afternoon, that little face was as beautiful as it was before the accident, laying there without a single scar or a single mark on that beautiful little face. So as I continued to sit there and praise the king and worship him over her, she got better and stronger. And we came out of ICU. The doctor, when they pulled the tubes, he said, sir, we need to do surgery on that right knee. I told him, no, sir. We're not going to do surgery on the right knee. He said, sir, the kneecap is crushed. He said, she will never walk again. I said, oh, yes, she will. I said, sir, I've stepped into a realm of faith. God made me a promise, and I'm trusting him and him alone, no one else. He said, I've got to do surgery. I said, no, sir. No surgery on her knee. He said, can I at least put a cast on the leg to hold it straight? Her daddy said, Thurman, please, let, let him put a cast on it. I said, okay. Put a cast on it. They put a cast on her leg. It healed supernaturally. They took the cast off, and without a single surgery on that little girl, we went home after 30 days in ICU. I took her out, and the doctor says, I do not understand how this little girl has lived. I said, sir, she's lived because I believe this book, the Word of my God. His name is Jesus. He said, well, there's something there. Something's happened. He said, I just don't understand. He said, take a wheelchair. And we'll make her a special one because she'll motorize one because she'll never walk. I said, I do not receive that curse. I said, that little girl will walk. She will run. She will play. He said, sir, that's impossible. I said, sir, you're going by what you see and not the word. So I took the word of God with my grandbaby. I took her home. I would not put her in a wheelchair. I carried her. I would not roll her out of that hospital in a wheelchair. I would not show unbelief. I carried her. I took her home. I set her down in the bed. And I'd set her up and say, Caitlin, honey, in the name of Jesus, I command your body to be strong and for you to set up. And I'd turn her loose and she'd fall down. I'd pick her back up. I mean, when you started training your children to walk, the first time you picked them up and stood them up and said, walk, you turned them loose and they fell down. Did you stop? No. I picked mine up again and I said, in the name of Jesus. And I did that over and over and over until she could set up in the bed. Then I took her out of the bed and stood her up and I said, in the name of Jesus. I command your little body to be strong where you can stand in the name of Jesus. And I'd turn her loose and she'd fall on the floor. I'd done that over and over until she could stand. And then I commanded her to walk. And I did that over and over and over until she could walk. She's now walking. She was doing these, but she's still blind. Her eyes were disconnected from her brain. I took her back on December the 30th of 2001 to Dr. Marks. And he looked at her and when he saw her walking down that corridor holding my finger... He come, grabbed her up. He said, would you look at this? And he picked her up and took her in his office. He's beginning to check her and examine her. And I said, Dr. Marks, what do you think about my Jesus now? He said, sir, all I got to say to you is somebody a whole lot bigger than me put this little girl back together. But January the 6th, she was still blind. We had just built a brand new Baptist church. That church where we'd been going there in Justin at that time, I had not started my own ministry. I was still teaching and going to Sunday school and everything in a normal Southern Baptist church there in Justin, Texas. We didn't even have a pastor at that time. We had a fine young man there as the uh, 
in charge of the young department there, Derek Draper. He's a fine young man, great example for the young people, a great man of God. He was all we had as a pastor. We had an interim pastor from the seminary come over to preach for us on Sunday. That Sunday morning, January the 6th, 2002, we opened that sanctuary brand new. We had the first service in that, that place. And then I asked anybody that would. There was 400 people there that day. And I asked anybody that would, that believed that God would open my grandbaby's eyes. I invited them that afternoon at 2 p.m. to come and pray with me and stand on God's promises so the king could reconnect my grandbaby's eyes to her brain. And for a Southern Baptist church, no offense, folks, there was about 30 out of 400 showed up. And that's pretty good. That's pretty good because we've, we've not been trained right. We're just like I was the first 45 years of my life. I didn't believe God could do all these wonderful things. I had never seen him do anything. But now I do believe he will, and I know he will. And so I told him that day, I said, if you believe God will do what he says he will do, I want you to come and pray with me. I said, if you don't believe he will, then I don't want you there. Because I don't want unbelievers there. Unbelief is what keeps God's power from flowing. So that afternoon, 30 people came, and we met, and about 10 people from other churches that I had invited, friends of mine. We put my little blind granddaughter, which could now walk, out in the middle of a big circle in that brand new sanctuary. And we prayed, stood on God's mighty promises for two solid hours. We prayed on our face before our king. We took her home. (laughs) She still couldn't see a thing. But three weeks later, Caitlin and I was upstairs sitting there playing. And she had these little stands. It's got these little plastic different sized donuts on them. Some of you will know what I'm talking about for children. And she would get these things, and before she'd be, she'd feel around to find the little stand, and she'd put the donut on there. All of a sudden, while we're sitting there, I picked up one of the little donuts and was going to take it off, and I dropped it, and it rolled off over here, and it fell over. She just reached right over there and got it. And then she put it right back on the stand, and I thought, boy, that's unique. And so I took the donut back off, and I moved the stand over to another place, and then I laid the little donut over there and I said, Caitlin, honey, get the red donut that granddaddy just laid down and put it back on the stand. She reached right over out of all of them, got the red one and put it right on the stand and granddaddy went berserk. I mean, I jumped up and down, began to praise and worship the king. See what the Lord says. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. I'd learned those scriptures well. He says, do not cast away your confidence, but you have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. This is where I used to miss it. I think, you know, when Jesus did things in the New Testament, most of those were miracles or instantaneous healings. But now I've realized that he does miracles, and that's one of the gifts. The nine gifts of the Spirit, the gift of miracles. But the gift of healing is also usually done instantaneously. But God promised to heal every one of us every time if we will walk in obedience to his word. And when I learned that principle and learned how to stand on his word, I have seen the king heal awesome things, to do mighty things. He's done those things for me. Then after we got our eyes back, we still got a problem. When we go home, the doctor tells me, said, we do not understand why this little valve and Caitlin's throat does not work, but it does not work. 
So he said, don't feed her anything by mouth, because if you do, it'll run directly into her lungs and kill her. Now, if a doctor tells you that, what are you going to do? You're going to do exactly what I did. You're going to believe him, and you're not going to feed her because you don't want to kill your grandbaby. So I go home, and I have, there is a magnificent promise in this book, Mark 11:24. Mark 11:24, the king says, whatever you desire... When you pray, believe you have received it, and it shall be yours. Now, is that an awesome statement from our king, or is that an awesome statement? I used to not believe these promises. But now I am beginning to do all I can to believe it when the king makes these awesome statements that they're for me, and that they will work for me. And so I take that verse, I said, Lord, I desire that the valve in my grandbaby's throat work. So I'm asking you, Father, in Jesus' name, to fix it and let it work. And I said, Lord, thank you for it. So for the rest of the two months, I would praise and worship and thank him that the valve was working. We'd take her back to the doctor. And the doctor said, bring her back in two months and we'll check it. So I brought her back in two months and he checked it and he said, it don't work. I said, it don't work? I don't understand this. But he said, it don't work. So I go home and I open my Bible and I look at that verse again, Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus clearly said, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you've received it and it shall be yours. I said, Lord, I don't understand how I could possibly mess that up. You made that so simple. So I said, Lord, I ask you to fix the valve in her throat. And I'd praise him and worship him for two months and we'd take her back to the doctor and it wouldn't work. We go through this scenario for 10 months. Every two months for ten months, and that valve does not work. After the tenth month, I come home, and I literally lock myself up with this book, and I said, Lord, you said you, in Psalm 66, 18, you said you do not hear the prayer of a sinner. You said in Romans 14, 23, anything I do that's not a faith is sin. So, Lord, I've got to have sinned somewhere and made a mistake. Otherwise, this valve would be working. I said, Father... In the name of Jesus, would you please show me what I've done wrong? I get this book out. Now, I diligently spend all this time over the next few days. I am meditating on this word. I am concentrating on this verse, Mark eleven twenty four. It's hard to believe that a grown man as educated as I am have to meditate on one verse for two weeks. But finally, after two weeks, I got revelation. The Lord says, to them that diligently seek me, if you'll dig into my word, like you're mining for silver and gold. Then I will reveal myself to you. After two weeks, I read that again. Whatever you desire, stop. I desire that the valve in my grandbaby's throat work, Lord. He said, then when you pray, believe you've received, and it shall be yours. Not two months later when you take her to the doctor. So I said, Lord, I have sinned. I didn't believe your word. I ask you, Father, to forgive me for my sin of unbelief. I repent. I said, now, Father, on behalf of Mark eleven twenty four, I desire the valve work in my grandbaby's throat. I said, thank you, Father. It's done. I walk across the street to her house. I tell her daddy, I said, Toby... God's waiting on you and me. He said, what do you mean? I said, the valve works in her throat this morning. He said, Thurman, we just come back from the doctor two weeks ago. 
and it didn't work. I said, I know. It didn't work two weeks ago. It didn't work earlier this morning. But I said, right now, it works. He said, how do you know it works? I said, because the Word says it does. He said, what are you telling me? I said, God's waiting on you and me. What am I supposed to do, he says. I said, you're supposed to feed her. If we believe this book, we have to act on this book because God says, faith without works is dead. You must believe me with no doubt in your heart or you're double-minded and unstable and I need, won't do a thing for you. I said, Toby, God's word cannot fail. I said, feed her. He said, Thurman, I, I, you're crazy. I said, Toby, did the doctor say she'd die? He said, yes. I said, did she die? He said, no. I said, did the doctor say that she had never breathed? He said, yes. I said, is she breathing? He said, yes. I said, did the doctor say she had never walked? He said, yes. I said, is she walking? He said, running and playing. I said, the doctor said she'd never see. I said, is her eyes back? He said, yes. I said, don't you think it's time that we believe God's word all the way? He said, okay. What do you want me to do? I said, you got anything in here for her to eat? He said, I got a little can of applesauce. I said, open it. Put it in a bowl. He said, I got a little bottle of juice here. I said, set it down there. I called Caitlin. I said, Caitlin, honey. She was in the bedroom playing. I said, Caitlin, honey, come in here. I said, we'd been feeding her through a plug in her tummy for 10 months. Every morning, noon, and night, I'd plug a little pump that they give us with a little deal into her stomach, feed a liquid diet directly into her stomach. I've been feeding her like that for 10 months. I said, come in here, Caitlin, honey. Sit down in that chair. Set up her and eat that applesauce for granddaddy. How many of you know that's going to be one of the greatest tests you ever went through? That's my only grandbaby at the time. And the daughter of mine that brought her into the world is in eternity with God. And I'm either going to trust this book and it's going to work for me or I'm a fool and I'm going to kill her. One of the two. She sat at that table. She ate that entire bowl of applesauce. She drank that bottle of juice. And she dumped down and run and played. And from that day to this, that valve has worked perfect. The little girl is six years old now. The other afternoon when I came home, about five o'clock, she was out there in the driveway on her bicycle, riding her bicycle all over the place. Let me tell you, I used to think I knew what faith was, but I didn't have a clue. And then when Mr. Gothard asked me to speak at this seminar, and I think about this magnificent statement, I have had the privilege to step over into the realm of faith just a little. When our king makes us a statement like he did in Ephesians 3.20, he said, and I know many of you know that us that are Christians, and especially Baptist Christians, we're pretty familiar with the word because we're word people. But I realize most of you probably are just like I was. I really didn't believe these promises. But when I realized if I believed them, our king would show up for me. I realized that when he makes these awesome statements, like Ephesians 3.20, I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can even think or imagine, according to the power that worketh in you. Where is that power? It's in you. It's in me. And who is that power? It's Christ. This is the mystery that was hidden before the foundations of the world. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 2, verse 3 says, All the secrets of the universe are hidden in Christ. If they're all in Christ and He's in you, then all you've got to do is learn how to pray in faith and you can tap into this awesome realm to see God do these great and mighty things that He's doing. And I know that when God called me out as an engineer out of the workforce and began to reveal to me these mighty truths as I would build and design equipment and buildings, I first begin to learn how to use these things and do these things in the workplace. I would ask the Lord as I would begin to see this. I would ask Him for everything. I mean, they could give me a piece of equipment or something somewhere that wouldn't work. And since I was the regional engineer, if nobody else could fix it, they would ask me to see if I could either get somebody to fix it or I could figure it out. Well, every time, without fail, I would always stop and pray. People thought I was a little bit strange. You know, in the workplace, I'd say, guys, let's stop. I'm going to ask the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus to give me revelation and wisdom and understanding on this wiring diagram so I can fix this problem. And without fail, he always revealed to me how to do it, and I was always able to fix everything without fail. After I began to build buildings, one of the, and back in 1983, as I'm learning, just learning what faith is, I've not stepped into the realm of the healing ministry yet, but I'm stepping into the realm of the, the world, the business world that I'm in. In 1983... Our executive VP from our corporate headquarters in Washington, D.C. came down and gave me an impossible task. On 15th day of May 1983, he walked in and said, Thurman, we need to renovate this 25,000 square foot building and we need to build, add 20,000 square feet on the back side of it. And he said, we need it done as quickly as possible. I said, well, what is as quick as possible? He said, we need to move into it by the last day of July. This is the 15th day of May. June, July, and you want to move in the last day of July, you want me to renovate 25000 You want me to add 20000 to it. I said, well, where's, where's all the plans and details? Oh, he said, we don't have those yet. He said, we'll have those in a few days. He said, I got a floor plan that will be available tomorrow, and then I'll a- a- next day express mail it down to you. And said, you take that to DFW Airport and see if they'll give you the okay to start. I said, Bill. His name was Bill also. I said, Bill. DFW Airport's not going to give me okay to start on a building, a a renovation, and an addition without at least six or eight sets of specs and drawings, and they're going to need to review them for three to five weeks. He said, do what you can. I go home when he leaves, and I get down on my knees. I said, Lord, the task he just gave me is impossible. No man can do this task. But I said, with you, all things are possible. You said it in your word. I said, Father, in this case, I cannot find in your word where you said it is your will for me to build a building in this length of time. But you did say, ask anything, and if I believe you would do it. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to give me the knowledge and the wisdom and give me the favor with the airport and everyone so I can get this building built for my company. And I said, they give me $1.1 million to do it, and I ask you to let me come in under budget, and I'll always give you all the glory and the praise for doing it. I said, thank you, Father. But it's your final decision, of course. And so I got up that next morning and went to work. I walked there in front of this 25,000 square foot building I was looking at, 
at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm just standing there looking, and all of a sudden, an electrical truck pulls in from a big electrical contractor, and two electricians get out and walk over, and he said, are you Mr. Scribner? I said, yes, sir. He said, our boss said to come out here, you need some electrical work done. I said, who sent you? He said, my boss. I said, who called you? He said, I don't know. My boss just said for us to come out here and see you. You needed some help. I looked up right there and I said, Lord, this is your will. I know this is a done deal. I took them in and showed them where I wanted to start. We started renovating that building. I took that morning, I took that one set of floor plans I had over to Owl Magazine, which is in charge of airport planning and zoning at DFW Airport. And I said, Al, this may be a little strange. But my company wants me to renovate this 25000 and add 20000 to it, and this is all I got right now. I said, what are the chances of me getting started and getting things in place to make this come to pass? He threw the drawings out there and looked at them. He said, oh, Thurman, your company's a good company. You're a good man. I can trust you. He said, as soon as you get the drawings and details, bring us to us. In the meantime, he said, do what you want to do. I walked out that door totally dumbfounded. I said, Lord, you absolutely blow me away in what you do and how you move on the hearts of men when we act in faith. I built that building and finished it and completely had it completely done and ready to move into six days before the end of July with $100,000 left over. That just shows you what God will do if you believe Him. So see, God is working with us in the business world. He's working with us in our health world. But he's our God, and he's a faith God, and he wants us to ask, believing, so he can do these mighty things. Well, as I saw the Lord do that, of course, I didn't have much time at home during those two and a half months. I was at work every day except Sunday. Sunday, I still took Sunday off. I taught my Sunday school class, but I talked about Jesus every day, every day in the workplace. I talked to somebody, led people to Jesus on a regular basis, but I ran the show and we got that whole thing did. At the, end of the, at the end of that, the Lord says, of course, when Bill came down, Bill Martin was his name, come down from our Washington office and told me what he wanted me to do the 15th day of May. I said, Bill, in June, my wife and I have planned a vacation with our children. I said, if I start this messy project, I'm not going to have time to take a couple of weeks of vacation. He said, no, Thurman, no vacation for you this summer. I said, okay, okay, I'll do what you say. I went home, broke the news to my family. I'm sorry. I said, but I can't take a vacation this summer. We'll just have to wait till next summer. Well, at the end of that, the project finished. And the day I got it finished, he called me and said, Thurman, you got that place in great shape. He said, uh, I want to do something for you. I said, well, what's that? He said, I want you to go home and ask your wife where y'all want to go, that there's a Marriott Resort Hotel anywhere in the United States of America, and we're going to send you on a two-week all-expense-paid vacation. I said, wow. So I go home and tell my wife. I said, where do you want to go? She said, that's simple, honey. Hawaii. That's simple for her, wasn't it? I said, honey, I'm not sure he meant all the way over there. Well, she said, he said, anywhere. I said, well, you're right. That's what he said. So I went back and called Mr. Martin, and I said, sir, you may not have meant Hawaii, but that's where my wife wants to go. He said, Hawaii, Thurman? He said, you saved us $100,000. You can come in, and he saves us another 30000 in rents. He said, the least I can do is send you anywhere you want to go. The next day, express mail, they had all the tickets, everything laid out. And it said, my wife and my daughter and my son and not myself on a two-week all-expense-paid vacation all to all the islands of Hawaii, come back, spent a few days in California, went to Disneyland, all those places. And the next, sun, the next summer, my daughter said, Daddy, when are you going to work hard again so we get another long vacation? <laughs>
But is our God a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him? Yes, He is. And He'll pour His blessings out upon you. Now then, as I begin to step into these realms of faith and begin to see God do all these mighty things, slowly but surely, I begin to start praying for people in the workplace. And then I begin to understand, as I started praying for people in the workplace, and I started seeing God do little answers to my prayers. I'd see Him meet somebody's need, or I'd see Him heal a headache, or whatever. But then one day, I had a unique experience, and there was a... I come home on a Wednesday night from an out-of-town trip, and my wife said, Honey, Ed Brock, which was one of the men that went to church at Lakeland Baptist Church in Louisville, Texas, She said, Ed has been to the doctor today, and I don't think he's doing very well. She said, I think you better go see him tonight. So I jumped back in my pickup, and I drove up to Louisville to the hospital, and I found his room, and I went up and knocked on his door, and his lovely little wife, Ruthie, she came to the door, and I said, Ruthie, how's Ed? She said, Thurman, he's no good. He's been diagnosed. They've done surgery on him today. he, He happened to be 42 years old at the time. She said they opened him up and looked inside of him and he had stage 4 lymphoma, terminal cancer in every organ of his body. He only has a few weeks left to live. There's nothing they can do. Just as clear as I have ever heard in my life, I'm standing within three feet of this precious, beautiful lady, wife of his, and I hear this voice. Son, tell Ed to call the men of the church to pray over him and I'll heal him. As a Southern Baptist deacon... I'd never seen anything like that. That put me to the test in the healing realm. So for the first time in my life, I go home. I had God in a little bitty box. <laughs> I remember walking down that corridor at the hospital looking up saying, Lord, you didn't hear what she said. She said he has terminal cancer. Now, I had God in a little teeny box about this big. I didn't realize who he was. I said, Lord, you didn't understand. You didn't hear what he said. She said he has terminal cancer. I can only see the king look down at me and said, Son, if you ever get a hold of who I am, you'll never doubt me again. And unfortunately, that's where I was. But I went home that night, and for the first time in my life, I began to do something I had never done. I began, although I'd been a Sunday school teacher for 20 plus years, I had never looked up by topic under healing. I began to open the Bible. I began to find all kinds of promises God made for healing the body of his church. Even the unbelievers. I thought, Lord, this is awesome. And then several hours later, I came up on a guarantee, if it's done according to the word, to heal every Christian every time, if they'll do what the word of God says. James 5, 14, 15, and 16, the king makes you this statement. Is any sick among you? Who would that include? That's all of us. Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, let them anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith, not an unbelieving prayer, but a prayer of faith, not a prayer if it be your will, but a prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise you up, and if your sickness is due to a sin, I, the Lord, will forgive your sin, and I will raise you up. Therefore, the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. I thought, Lord, that's awesome. 
That is a guarantee from you to heal every one of us every time if we'll just believe you. But then I heard for the first time in my life, I was fixing to step into a realm that was so supernatural, I, for the first time in my life, heard the authoritative voice of our enemy. And this voice said, Oh, you've just read that before. That's just, that was in your subconscious. And when you were standing down there in front of that room, that was not really God that spoke to you. I mean, I'm a little bit confused at this point. I went to bed that Wednesday night thinking I might be having a mental breakdown. I didn't know what was happening. I knew so little about the spirit world. But Monday, Sunday morning, when we woke up Sunday morning, I turned over and looked at my wife and I said, Honey, I've got to tell somebody. She said, What? What have you done? I said, Honey, I'm hearing God's voice. She said, Well, my goodness, if you're hearing God's voice, what does he say? I said, he told me to tell Ed Brock to call the men of the church to pray over him and he'll heal him. Thank God for good women. She said, well, my goodness, honey, if God told you to do that, what are we waiting for? Let's go tell him. And I thought, here she is. She's not heard it. She only heard it from me. This is the fourth time I've heard God speak to me. And that woman of mine's got more faith than I do. I said, Lord, thank you for a good woman. So we went over to Ed and Ruthie Brock's that, Saturday, that Sunday afternoon after church. I said, Ed... The doctors have sent Ed home to die. I said, Ed, I have a word from God for you. And it's written right here in James 5, 14, 15, and 16. He said, well, what does it mean? I said, open your Bible. He opened his Bible, and we read that magnificent promise. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint him with oil, and pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise you up. And if you've committed a sin or your sickness is due to a sin, I, the Lord, will forgive you and I, the Lord, will heal you. He read that and he said, Thurman, he said, I'm 42 years old. I've been in church all my life. He said, I have never heard that verse preached on from the pulpit. I've never heard it taught in a Sunday school class. He said, if a verse that powerful still works, somebody would have taught us that verse. I said, maybe they're like me, Ed. Maybe they didn't know it's in there. But I said, it's in God's word. How many of you know if it's written in God's Word, it's there for a purpose? He said, Thurman, I can't believe it. I said, Ed, let me tell you this. What if I told you I heard God's voice first and He told me to tell you to do this? He said, you're going to tell me you heard God's voice? I said, yes, sir. He said, Thurman, you must think I'm crazy. He said, I never heard nobody say they heard God's voice. I said, Ed, I heard it in front of your room and He told me to tell you to do what He said in James 5, 14. He said, well, Thurman, I just don't believe that. So I prayed with him went home. A few days later, Ed Brock's back in the hospital in Louisville. His lungs filling up and he's dying. I go back again. And I open this book and I read that verse to him. And he said, Thurman, I want God's will to be done, but I don't know what it is. I thought, here I stand in front of this man with a blood covenant sealed in the blood of our king. And he told me exactly what he would do. All I got to do is pray the prayer of faith. And you don't know what his will is. I said, it's right here. He said, Thurman, I can't believe it. See, that's the problem. We can't believe it. It's too wonderful to be true. So he wouldn't believe. So I leave again. They pump his lungs out, send him home, stays home a few days, comes back worse. I go back. I hear he's back there again. Bobby Thompson was the chairman of deacons at Lakeland Baptist Church at the time. And I was getting ready to go visit Ed when Jane, she called and said, Betty, we hear Ed's back in the hospital. She said, yes, and Thurman's just fixing to go see him. said, Bobby wants to go with him. So he came up by my house and we drove up there. I walked in and opened this Bible again and I said, Ed, don't die. 
Do what God says and he's going to heal you. He said, Thurman, I just, I just don't know what God's will is. I said, Ed, I'm telling you, God's will is this book. If he said it, he's ready to back it up if we do it exactly like he said. He said, Thurman, I just can't believe it. I said, Ed, Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. I said, when you get home, when you do get out of this hospital, when you get home this time, you open the book to James 5, 14, 15, and 16, and you read those three verses and don't read them silently. It didn't say faith comes by reading. It said faith comes by hearing. So I said, read the word of God out loud until faith comes. And when it does, I said, then you call me and I'll get some men together and we'll come up and we'll pray for you. And I'm going to guarantee you God's going to heal you because he made you the promise in his word. We walked out there and Bobby Thompson, we walked out to my pickup and I leaned on the tailgate of my pickup. I was, I was just heartbroken. He said, Thurman, you're completely convinced that if he does that, God's going to heal him. I said, Bobby, I know it because it's written in this book. So we prayed and rebuked the enemy that was blinding his mind and asked the Lord to give him revelation and wisdom on the Word of God. Monday night of the third week, I walked into my house at 6 p.m. in the afternoon. My phone was ringing. I reached up and got it, and he said, Thurman, he said, he said, I've been reading those verses over and over and over. And he said, that's what they say. He said, I don't want to die. I'm only 42 years old. He said, I want to live. He said, I'm too weak to call anybody but you. He said, you call some men and have them meet us up at the chapel at 7 o'clock and I'll have Ruthie drive me up there at 7. I said, I'll do it. I pick up my list of deacons at Lakeland Baptist Church and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, give me the names of the men you want me to call. I went down through the list and probably called 6, 7, 8, maybe 10 of them. I told each one of them. I said, you guys read James 5, 14, 15, and 16 and call anybody else you want to and tell them to meet us at the chapel in an hour at 7 o'clock. And we're going to pray for Ed Brock tonight and we're going to expect Ed to get well. I said, come expecting God to do what he promised in his word. That morning, I had stopped by and bought a bottle of olive oil. My first experience with healing. When I get to the church at 7, Ed's there and men start coming in. I don't know if your Baptist church or whatever kind of church you go to is like mine. But it's impossible on Monday afternoon at 7 o'clock to get 28 men to come pray for a sick man with terminal cancer. But that's how many showed up. 28 men showed up that afternoon at 7 o'clock. And we walked in. And here I walk in this little sack in my hand. He said, what do you got in that sack, Thurman? I said, a bottle of olive oil. He said, where'd you get it? I said, at Tom Thumb. He said, you ever done this before? I said, no. He looked at me and his countenance fell. And he said, oh, great. Here I am with a man with a bottle of oil from Tom Thumb, and I got stage four lymphoma terminal cancer, and we think I'm going to get well. How much faith do you think there was in that room? Just almost zero. But praise God, our God is a merciful God. I said, Ed, I don't know what to do other than just set you down right here in the middle of chapel. I said, I want you to take off your shirt, because I'm going to pour this oil on you and rub it in you. I didn't know what to do. I'd never done this. I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? It's a good thing it wasn't a woman, huh? I guess I'd have told her to take her blouse off, you know. Who knows what I'd have did. But it was a man. And so I took his shirt off of him. I set him right in the middle. I poured that oil right down right behind his head and started running down his hair and his back. And I just started rubbing it in his back. And I said, guys, just start praying. So guys prayed. We cried. We prayed. Everybody prayed. We prayed two hours. At that time, that was the longest prayer meeting I'd ever been in my life. In a Baptist church, I'd never been in a prayer meeting more than a few minutes. 
You know, but this time it was two hours. And our God heard our plea. We left there. Now, God did not do a miracle on Ed because I'm going to tell you what. If he had done a miracle healing, and this is another reason God doesn't do so many miracles for us today. Because I'm going to assure you, if he had done a miracle healing and Ed Brock had been instantly made well and jumped up and started jumping up and down, God had had 28 heart attacks to take care of. (laughs) Do you all know where I'm coming from? We had never seen God do a healing or a miracle in our life in in that Lakeland Baptist Church in Louisville, Texas. Never. But Ed began to get well. He began to go, he gets a feeling so good that the doctor said, we don't understand, Mr. Brock, what's wrong with you? But he says, this thing that was all over your body appears to be going away. Maybe we ought to send you down to MD Anderson in Houston and let them give you some treatments. Before it was impossible, but now it's going away. Isn't that something? Now that it's going away, we're still going to go and let the doctors help us when God's healing him? It's awesome how little faith we have in our God. So Ed starts going down to MD Anderson. The doctors, they give him treatments at the... About six months, four, five or four, five, six months, whatever it was, Ruthie had given him the New Testament on tape to listen to as he was driving that four or five hours from Louisville to Houston. And about the fifth or sixth month, they told him, said, Mr. Brock, we do not understand. When you came in here, you had a certain level of cancer. We had a half a dozen other people that were about the same place that you were. And we, you responded so awesomely to the treatments that we gave them the same exact treatment. And said, without fail, they all died. But he said, you today have not a sign of cancer left in your body. We do not understand this, but you're totally healed. So Ed, of course, was a very happy person. He goes out and gets in his vehicle. Now, he's listening to the Word of God on tape going down there. He goes out and gets in his vehicle. He said, I am so happy. No cancer. They tell me don't even come back for at least six months for another checkup. I'm doing, I'm just, it's gone. So he said, I reach over and say, Lord, thank you. And I hit that play button on that tape recorder. And he said, Thurman, you'll never guess what that said. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him and anoint him with all. And the prayer of faith shall make the sick well. He said, then the tape recorder stopped on its own. And for the first time in my life, I heard God speak to me in that authoritative voice. He said, Ed, it was not M.D. Anderson that healed you. It was me. Ed said, tears came in my eyes. I couldn't see to drive. I pulled off to the side of the road and I stopped and I worshiped and praised the Lord until I regained my composure. And then he said, I drove home. All of these experiences I've had the privilege to see the king do has changed my walk with God forever. And because of these things is why I teach a healing school in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex two times a month. And that's why I see people healed and delivered all the time. And I'm going to tell you all that I film every one of those healing schools on video and audio tape. I have a website that's T-L-S-M, the Living Savior Ministries.org. And I have many of those video and audio tapes listed on there. And I don't sell anything I do. I give everything away. Any of you that wants any of my information, if you'll go to that website, you can get my phone number, my address, and anybody that wants anything I have, 
It's free. Now, with a group this size, if you want, I won't be able to send more than two videos and four or five audios at a time because I'm limited on what I have. But if anybody wants anything, I will send anything you want to you free and postpaid because what I do is God. And he's the one that does everything. I don't do nothing except teach his word and pray for the sick, and he does the rest of it. And so I'll make that blank check to you since God says give, and it'll be given to you. He's given to me these wonderful things. I'll give to you anything that I have. And I want you to come up to where I have come up to because I know God has called me in these last days to teach the body of Christ faith and how to walk in it so we can overcome the enemy that our king defeated on the cross 2,000 years ago. Praise the Lord. Now, if Bill would allow me, I would like for any of you that if your faith is at a level and you need anything from God, I will be willing to pray the prayer of faith with you according to Matthew 18, 19, where our king says, this is our king talking to us. He said, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, I will do it for you. That's for you and me. And if two of us agree, he will do it. So if you need anything from the Lord right now, I realize in a group like this, I cannot possibly minister to each one of you. But I would like for you to make sure that you know that your sins are all confessed. That you believe God and any kind of need you have. Believe Him. Believe Him. And if you will, I will pray the prayer of faith for you right now. And as I pray the prayer of faith for you, when I get through, I want you to say, Lord, I agree with that man of yours. And I'm your son or I'm your daughter. And I agree that what I'm believing you for right now is mine. And if you'll believe with no doubt in your heart... He will do great and mighty things. He will move through this crowd of people. And many of you will receive an awesome, awesome thing from the Lord today. Can I pray that prayer of faith for them, Bill? Father, upon Matthew 18, 19, the prayer of agreement. Father, I want to thank you that you're here today. That you're the king of the universe. That your son is here and your Holy Spirit's here. Because we're here gathered in your name. And you said, if just two of us are gathered in your name, you're here. So, Lord, there's thousands here in your name. So, Lord, I praise you for these promises. Now, Lord, for each one of these people, I don't know their need, but you do. So I ask you, Father, to meet their needs, whether they have back problems or headaches or pains or whatever their need is. I ask you, Father, I rebuke the enemy and command him to leave these people and that you send the Holy Spirit to heal and restore your people and to meet all their needs right now in the name of Jesus. And I want to thank you for doing it for each one that believes you with no doubt in their heart. And I thank you. It's done because it's written in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can agree with the prayer for yourself, just say out loud, Lord, I agree for myself. And I'm healed or I'm delivered or my needs are met, finances or whatever they are. And believe him and then continue to stay in faith Don't cast away your confidence in the Word and go thanking Him and praising Him. And many of you will receive great and awesome gifts and healings and thanks from our Lord. He is our 